0: On the surface, it's a noble position to passionately champion life. Moving beyond the abortion debate, I hope that it isn't too controversial of an observation that a good deal of life happens after we are born. So I'd have to conclude that being pro life describes someone that cares about the rest of the story that follows once the ink is dried on the birth certificate. And indeed, for most American evangelicals, there is a strong commitment to this. Only it turns out that there is a priority list and that the number one criteria for those at the top is that they don the title Christian. Now, I'm not so jaded that I can't take some measure of joy in witnessing the reuniting of loved ones. But when I heard about the release of three Americans who had been imprisoned in North Korea, I was pissed. As I watched the news, it didn't take too long to realize that these three individuals fit the previously mentioned criteria for those worthy enough to go to the front of the right-to-life line. In fact, they had something else that made them eminently worthy of the full diplomatic force of the President of the United States. They weren't just Christians, they were persecuted Christians. And who was whispering in the President's ear to remind him of his solemn duty to remember the plight of these high-priority human beings? Well, it was the evangelical Christians who helped get him elected, this time in the form of the organization Open Doors. Their tagline is Serving Persecuted Christians Worldwide. Note how the word Christian is in bold. I mean, damn. Why not italicize it, underline it, highlight it, and circle it with a red pen just to make sure that anyone else out there on the planet who is persecuted but who isn't a Christian knows that this organization is not for them. Prior to the release, Open Doors USA president David Curry specifically advocated for the three men, saying, quote, We simply cannot afford to let these Americans stay another day on North Korean soil or we risk more unfortunate outcomes, like what occurred to American student, Otto Wombar. Otto, another American that was detained in North Korea, was released in a mysterious coma-like condition in June of 2017, dying a week after he returned to the States. Now, I'm sure someone from the organization would point out that Curry only qualified these individuals as quote-unquote Americans, but I think we all are wise to this evangelical game by now. So let's move past that and focus on the real thrust of his apparent concern, that the actual survival of these men was at stake unless they were freed and returned to America. That's great, Mr. Curry. You care about people overseas in desperate situations where it appears that their last resource is to come to the United States? Me too. So let's talk about Muslim refugees from Syria. After the most recent round of chemical attacks on his own people by the Assad regime, President Trump, apparently moved yet again by the images of children choking on weaponized toxic fumes, declared that, quote, this is about humanity, end quote. So whatever his eventual response was, it would be motivated by a fundamental value of all human life. Of course, his only solution was to drop more bombs on the country. One would have thought that by now he had been thoroughly briefed on the reality that Syrians will continue to suffer and die on a massive scale and that part of the administration's diplomatic and humanitarian response must be the resettlement of refugees around the globe, with the U.S. leading in this effort. But of course, this would fly right in the face of his xenophobic rhetoric that resonated so strongly with his most loyal voting bloc, white evangelicals. So what is the result? As of the end of April, in this current federal fiscal year, which started last October, the U.S. has received 44 Syrian refugees. Of those 44, only 27 are Muslim, though the vast majority of Syrian refugees are of that faith. According to an article in the Dallas Morning News from this past February, in the first four months of the fiscal year, there has been a 94% decline in the number of Muslims resettled in the U.S. as refugees, according to the State Department data. In January of 2017, as Trump was coming in, Muslim refugees made up nearly one out of two refugees arriving in the U.S. A year later, that ratio has become one in ten. Now, to be fair, a small handful of evangelical leaders have notably raised their voices for even Muslim refugees, though, as I pointed out in my previous article, Where's the Letter to the Church, they will do so very carefully and mostly not directed at the one group that needs to hear from them the most that being the evangelical church. Meanwhile, hundreds if not thousands of Muslim refugees from Syria and other countries will continue to die in camps or drown in the Mediterranean. But hey, that's okay for American evangelicals. They got their guys out of North Korea. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and pop culture along with other life-inspired musings by visiting www.curtielewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making a monthly or one-time financial contribution. Click on support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.